This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Hey everybody, it's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonima. And we're in New York today, and we got so many great questions from the wilderness. I can't even handle how many great questions we have. We have a lot, and so we have so many. Here's a bonus episode. Woo! So our first question, great question. What is the proper way to eat an Oreo? And then our letter writer adds, when eating Oreos in groups of two or more, is it okay to twist one chocolate cookie off to eat or lick the filling from the other half and then eat the two cookies one after the other? Asking for a friend. I love that this question came in. So as a child, I did not actually grow up eating Oreos. I grew up in a macrobiotic household, which is sort of very vegan adjacent. So a lot of brown rice, a lot of miso. Uh, So the idea of having cookies, not really part of the lexicon. I think the first time I had an Oreo was probably in high school. I feel like we have so many more things in common that... Is that something we have in common? I wasn't allowed to have processed food. Yeah. So um, I would have it at my friend's house. Sure. And then I would actually always go home and get sick because my body was like, what? <laughs> yeah, what was that? My mom tried to pass off that carob was the same as chocolate. I mean... I mean... Although I do like a good like carob covered almond. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about Oreos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of skin in the game because I don't have strong feelings about this. And I feel like people who have strong feelings about this and people who have strong feelings about this have it because it's how they did it as a child. Right. It's a throwback to their emotional childhood. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I did put this out in social media asking like, what do people think? A lot of different ideas. So for you, what what is the proper way? Well, for me, I love icing. I love icing. Ah. So I just want the icing. Okay, so it's not about the cookie part. Yeah, and I also feel it's your friends. It says two or more friends. If they're your friends, they can't handle you open up a cookie and licking it in front of them. They're not your good friends. Oh, is that how you read this? Yeah. When eating Oreos in groups of two or more. I thought that was two or more cookies. Oh, I think that's groups of two or more people. <laughs> oh, okay. Well... That if we're eating, because I mean, if you eat a if you eat one Oreo the same way, you know, I think that's groups of friends. I see. More, oh, okay. It's just more than more than you and your your friends. I see. You're in a group. Can you pop open a cookie in a group? That's what I feel. Okay. But we could answer both questions. Well, if you're alone, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Right. Etiquette doesn't care what you do when you're alone. I actually. I said this to my, read this to my boyfriend because I thought it was so fun that somebody wrote this in, mm-hmm. and he actually said to me, "Well, is it a double stuff?" Well, I have heard that a double stuff Oreo is not a true Oreo. Oh, wow. So I think that doesn't count. 
people feel like the double stuffed is sort of an apocryphal Oreo. Oh, wow. Well, wow. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get letters. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. But he said if it was a double stuff, then it is enough icing to warrant opening it. But uh, otherwise he doesn't, it's like you're going to open that and lick it when it's that little icing in front of a, right. and I was like, really? So when I was thinking about this, and if this was a dinner party, so at the end of the meal, I'm now going to serve you a plate of Oreos. And I think Milk is involved, right? I would hope. Right? Let's assume some milk is involved. Yeah. So I'm going to serve this to you. And I feel like in a formal setting. A formal Oreo. Formal Oreo setting. I think what you would want to do is you maintain the integrity of the Oreo. Mm. I think by opening the Oreo, this feels too far. Now we're playing with our food. Okay. And I don't think we want to do that in a formal setting. Because also when you open it, what you're now doing is you're licking. Yes. And I don't think or we you, lick. Or you dra- you're actually or dragging your teeth down the cookie. <laughs> right. So either way, I don't think we want that behavior at a formal dinner. But does it, is it formal when it's a group of two or more? They're just your friends. Well, I mean, if you're just friends, I guess, you know, does etiquette matter? And you just open it, you just twist it, because that's what you did as a kid, except for in our households. I think for me, whole Oreo, I'm going to do one half dunk into the milk. Long enough to just do a little moisture mm. into the cookie, but not too long where we disintegrate the cookie. Okay. Because I think it'd be very bad manners to have a portion of your Oreo break off into the milk. Right. So I think we'd never want to have that happen. So we do just a little dunk, get a little wet, and then we eat the cookie. And I don't think we double dunk. Okay. And then that's how we do it. All right. And then I think we can either take sips in between cookie bites, sort of like a palate cleanser. Right. <laughs> or we can then drink the milk at the end. Okay. Okay. Um, as we would any other beverage. Okay. I have seen people insert a fork into the Oreo. Have you seen this? I know. I've seen it with a knife. So you take a fork and you insert the tines into the cream part. And so then you can use the fork uh, to almost like a s'more into a fireplace, you dunk the Oreo into the milk. So you can fully submerge the entire Oreo without, I guess, getting your fingers wet. Interesting. I feel like anytime we're like spearing our own food at the table, we don't want to do that. Unless, I mean, have fun. Uh, Obviously, I'm not into maintaining integrity. (laughs) (laughs) So I think... uh, Oh, I did also look up Miss Manners and Emily Post have not weighed in on this. Oh, wow. <laughs> as far as I can tell. It feels like they're really missing out. They should weigh in. People want to know. So uh, if you out there have thoughts, uh, you let us know. How do you... Oh, Leah's raising her hand. I would say that Oreo more than any other cookie sticks in your teeth. It does? It really just stays in the front of your teeth. How? So if you're eating a formal Oreo party... You, you, like the little black? Yeah, the little black the... just gets all over the front of your teeth. I don't know. It's like the most, most <laughs> tooth stickiest... <laughs> I don't know what's in there. It's oh. always happened. Okay. I have not observed. So if you're at a formal Oreo eating, you're going to mm. need that milk. Oh, okay. But do not gargle with the milk. <laughs> I was going to say to gargle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So our next question, a little long, stick with me. There's a lot of nice detail here, which I think is going to be important for our conversation. So dear Leah and Nick, I'm a big fan of your podcast and I'm hoping you can help me with an etiquette dilemma I've been wrestling with. I pride myself on following proper etiquette and don't normally encounter situations in which I don't know what to do, but here we are. I've been getting my hair cut by the same person for about 10 years. She's the owner of the salon and over the years, she and I have become friendly, not best friends, but we've seen each other socially from time to time. And although I never really loved my hair, I was fine with the haircuts I received from my stylist. Then about three years ago, she had a baby. And while she was out on maternity leave, I saw a different woman at the salon and received what was probably the best haircut of my life. 
For the first time in ages, I actually liked my hair. The layers were perfect and they fell nicely without me having to fuss with it. I knew that my stylist was going to come back with limited hours and I was hoping that she would just be so busy that I could just continue seeing the other stylist under the guise of just not being able to book timely appointments. So the first time I called after my stylist returned, the stylist's father, who runs the front desk, answered the phone. And as soon as I identified myself, he said, oh, I'm so glad you called. Lisa was just saying that she's been sad because her clients haven't been calling. She's been thinking that nobody wants to see her anymore, so she'll be thrilled that you called. Ugh, what could I do? So I made an appointment and I received a subpar haircut and I've been paying for not so great haircuts ever since. So my question for you lovely people, is there a way to ever break up with a hairstylist without hurting their feelings? I know I can't see the stylist who filled in at her own salon, but I really like to find a different salon. I've tried getting a cut elsewhere as a guide and asking her to just do a trim but that hasn't really worked and I can't afford to essentially double my haircut budget. Also something to consider is that she cuts my husband's hair, but he is happy with her cuts. And obviously he and I have very different hair types. uh, And so that's sort of irrelevant. So she wants to know, do I just stop going? Let her get the hint. Do I over a conversation? What should I say? I care for this person. I don't want to hurt her feelings, but life is too short to pay for bad haircuts. Okay, Leah. I love this question so much because I feel like this person is so much like me. Yeah, it does feel like a a you question. Yeah, Yeah. you just, and I know people who stay with a person who they don't like the haircuts from because they feel this allegiance. Yeah. I have a great hair person. I want to say that, but it took me forever to find her. And your hair is great. Thank you. And also I feel like your hair requires professional management. Yeah, management is the correct (laughs) word. So I guess my initial thought is that life is too short to have bad haircuts. It is. So under no circumstances do you need to continue having a bad service. Yeah, I feel like this for all services. Like I definitely have some things in my life that I'm like, why do I keep doing this when Mm I, because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. And I'm paying. Right. But I completely understand this struggle. Yes. You feel like you see yourself in this woman. Yeah, I see myself. I also see a lot of people I know in this woman. Okay, so what would you tell this person? Uh, What you said exactly, life is too short Mm. for bad haircuts. And she should be getting the haircut of her dreams. Yes, always. How one goes about it. I was very excited about this conversation because the person's feelings is going to be hurt, but it's also her job. Mm. And if somebody doesn't like, you're allowed to not like the haircut she's giving you. Right. So I think one question would be, do we give her the opportunity to fix this? You know, because you've gone along so long and you've just been getting the same bad thing every time. You know, maybe she can do it differently. But she said she went and got a haircut somewhere else and then asked this woman just to trim it and it still didn't go well. Okay. And also if the dad said, oh, nobody's coming back, that's <laughs> clearly a red flag. True. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. possible that this just wasn't her... Calling. Her gift. Right. But I mean, that's a good point. Do you give her an opportunity... I mean, I do often like before I end a relationship, uh, especially a business relationship, to give them the opportunity to correct the thing that is making me end something. So if you're providing a service and it's just not meeting my expectations, I want to at least make our ending something not feel like it's coming out of left field. Okay. So I want you to know that like, oh, okay, he he is unhappy with this thing and he has sort of made that known before. So I'm not totally surprised by this conversation. Okay. I kind of like that because I find when you sort of blindside people and don't give them the opportunity, that does make it harder to end a relationship. Whereas it's an easier conversation to be like, you know, it's just not working. I think we gave it a good try. 
And that sometimes just makes it a nicer ending. So it does sound like this woman cannot give her a haircut that she likes, though. Yeah, it really does. So does she owe her anything? Well, does she owe her a conversation? I mean, I like what you're saying about telling somebody. and mm. then, But then the other option is you could just not go. It does feel like ghosting feels rude. I don't know. Because I never like ghosting. I think ghosting is always sort of wrong. No, I agree with you. So, But I don't know what's going to hurt this person's feelings less. Could you write a lovely note of, you know, I'm switching to a place near my area. You know, you've always been such a joy. Hope we can stay in touch. All the best. I guess you could send a note. Yes. Although it feels like you should say something after your final haircut. Right. Because what are you going to do? Mail her a letter? Yeah, that's what I was suggesting. <laughs> oh, like a, oh, that feels more pointed. Does that feel more pointed? Yeah. Okay. Because it really emphasizes the breakup, doesn't it? But I mean, that's what it is. It feels like you need to decide we are done. So we don't want to give her any more chances. Right. And once we made the decision, I think you could have one final haircut and you go and then you at the end of the haircut, just say, I have something to tell you. Um, unfortunately, this is our, our last uh, appointment. I've really loved working with you over the years, but I just feel like I want to try something different. But thank you so much. I feel like this is upfront and honest and not hurtful and respectful by being direct and I love it. Because, yeah. Um, I if want this something person is different. capable of doing that. Yeah. If you want something different, you're allowed to want something yeah. different. Not better. Not like, you know, not these garbage haircuts I'm getting from you. Yeah. Yeah. I think something in that world feels correct. Right? Yeah. I think it feels sometimes it's very uncomfortable to say that to people. Sure. But uncomfortable things is sort of being an adult. Yeah. I hate so, that. I hate that so much. Yeah. But this <laughs> is sort of required. Yeah. I really like that. Okay. I kind of like that. The other reason? option is to tell people that you're moving. Yeah. <laughs> Witness protection program. Uh-huh. Oh, no. One wrinkle is her husband still goes. Yeah. That's why I think what you're saying is perfect because she's not making excuses. She's trying something different. Right. And her husband doesn't want to try something different. He likes what he's doing. Right. But I think she cannot go to the different woman in the salon. No, she cannot. But Feels I think like she knows that. She does know that. Yeah. And I guess she can't go back to the salon and pick up her husband. No, he has to drive himself. Right. Well, maybe that lady will be totally cool and be like, oh, no problem. Let's still have coffee. In which case you can stop by with your husband. Yeah. And I feel like she should be cool about it. I mean, this is a professional relationship at the end of the day. Ideally, she will handle it correctly. Well, no promises. Yeah. Ideally. No promises. uh, Yeah. I I really like your suggestion. Okay. Well, so letter writer, try that. Let us know how it goes. And then send us a photo of your new hair. Yes. And you deserve the hair that you want. Yes. Yeah. That is really actually the lesson here. Yeah. It's like you should never have a bad haircut. Yeah. Life is too short. Life is too short. Yeah. And now it's time for an intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV, which has the best of British, Canadian, New Zealand, like all sorts of great television. And they have tons of different kinds of shows. Oh yeah, all sorts of genres. (laughs) I'm just severely focused on crime, mystery, murder. That's really my sweet spot. And so obviously the Broken Wood (laughs) Mysteries from New Zealand, this is up your alley. Very up my alley because it combines my love of murder mysteries and my love of New Zealand, which was born from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, anything set in a seemingly quiet country town where something goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, this is up your alley. Also, they have a big city detective moved to said small town, having to work with the local police and they have a a different way of doing things that everybody finds to be a bit (laughs) jarring. 
So up my alley. So check that out and use promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Books of the Months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going to love <laughs> Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. Our next question is regarding toast, but specifically grammar. So we usually don't really get into grammar here, but... We were asked, should cheers be used as a verb or even a noun? Isn't it just an interjection that's to be said before or during a toast? I frequently hear things like, we should have a cheers to that. Or, okay, everybody, gather around. We're about to be cheersing. It really kind of grinds my gears and it probably shouldn't. (laughs) So you're a writer. How do you feel about this uh, grammatical construction? This is what I think. Uh Uh-huh. People are just saying something because they want to celebrate something. Mm -hmm. So let it go. Let it go. (laughs) I mean, I understand. And I love the phrase grinds my gears. Okay. Because here's an example of something that grinds my gears. Oh. Roll neck sweaters. And okay. Oh, would you like to vent to Rapetlia? <laughs> and I don't know why. I just roll neck sweaters. I see them and my gears are grinding. Is and that different than like a turtleneck? Yeah, it's different because they more look like they're on a boat. You know, it's oh, I'm oh just, it's like a soft. It's like a soft roll. I don't know. I like a Pacific Coast wave. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like a Hokusai kind I feel, of thing. I feel aggressive about them. Oh, and I recognize as soon as I start to feel my gears, gears grinding that that's my issue. Uh-huh. It's not. That's the person's just enjoying their sweater. It has nothing to do with me. Where do you think this comes from? I don't know. I just... Where did this start? I remember very strongly hitting me in college. I was dating this boy and he had a roll neck sweater. Oh, well, this is where it started. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Big mystery. Don't know where it came from. Ah, Chad. But I'm just saying, I don't know if this is a weird example, but I'm just saying I appreciate a good good gears grinding. Okay. I get it. Okay. I'm not judging that, but Uh I do recognize when I do it, that it's my issue. Okay. People are just cheersing. Yeah. Let, let, let people be festive. They're celebrating. Yes. However, I do agree that cheers is just an expression. Yeah, it's just an expression. So when I was thinking about this, the Jaren form, cheersing, that does sound a little weird. It sounds like you're watching the television show Cheers as a group. Oh, we're, we're actively watching <laughs> Cheers. Oh, what are you doing tonight? Oh, we're cheersing. cheersing. Yeah. I like Sam Malone a lot. It's a great pilot. Perfect, um, perfect television structure. Okay. <laughs> but I don't mind the phrase like cheers to that. Oh, I don't either. And maybe it's just because I, I watch so much AbFab where like it's just cheers to that is very British. And I do find actually if I'm in London and I come back, I say cheers to like everybody for everything instead of thank you. So, I, which I enjoy. It's a little obnoxious. It is, but it's still really fun. <laughs> I don't know. I try I try not to do it, but sometimes you just get into sometimes that habit. it comes out. But I think the problem with this grammatical construction is when it is a transitive verb. When the word cheers takes an object. So when I cheers you, I feel like that is where the problem is. So when you're like cheers to you. Cheers to you is fine. But when I'm cheersing you, 
when you are the direct object of the cheersing, I think that is what sounds weird. But I mean, even if it sounds weird, I think, you know, it's just a roll neck sweater. <laughs> just let it go. Just let it go. So let it go. Cheers to that. But I, we fully uh, support you in having yeah. your gears grinded. Also, I am or not- ground. Or ground. <laughs> also, I'm not a grammarian. And I do not know if I use all of those grammatical f- terms correctly. It seemed correct what you were saying. But if there are anybody who knows better than I, please correct me. I would be happy to have my grammar corrected and don't just stew there. Like this was a roll neck sweater conversation. <laughs> I think often also because I'm on stage so much and sometimes you just say stuff because yes. it's the thing that comes to your mind and you're you're just trying to, that I am very easy to forgive when people say things that are just, I get what you're saying. Yeah, We're going to have a cheers. All right. Our next question is, I have a friend who just moved and she invited a small group of us to come check out her new place and then go out for a meal. When I was over, I brought her a small potted plant and a card as a little housewarming token. She said she's considering having an official housewarming party with a larger group of friends. My question is, do I need to bring another gift to the housewarming party if she ends up doing it? No. No. Definitely not. You are off the hook. You're done. Yeah. But I think if you're invited over again, the standard guest rules apply. Like you have to bring something. Oh, yeah. As a regular. Yeah. But you don't have to make it like, oh, this is another housewarming gift. Yeah. You just bring some. The house is warm. Some little munchies. It's already warm. Yeah. Yeah. Requires no more heating. Yes. Yeah. All right. Our next question. What is your view of the restaurant policy where guests won't be sat at their table until the entire party has arrived? This makes sense to me if, say, one person without a reservation walked in and asked for a table of 10. However, for somebody with a reservation, it seems rude to make one half of a party of two wait around in the reception area or worse, wait outside until the other person they're meeting has arrived. Isn't this the point of the reservation? Hmm. So I think that if you let me sit down, I'm probably going to order drinks and appetizers and get that check going. Right. So I would like to be seated. I think this is very restaurant to restaurant because I just was at a dinner party Mm. and there was 10 of us Mm. and I was first by a long amount of time and they seated me. And I started, you know, I ordered some apps for the table and... Yeah, the party started. The party started. Yeah. Well, I think this is restaurant to restaurant. For sure. Yes. Restaurants definitely have very different policies. Also, I think when this happens, it is inevitably a host uh, who is a little snitty Mm. and is like, this is our policy. And like, there's no flexibility. There's no nuance. There's no difference whether or not this is 5 p.m. and it's an empty restaurant. It's no difference if like you're a table for 10 and you're going to have that table for the night. Yeah. They're not going to try and turn that table. So like, let you just sit down. Yeah. So I think that is also a problem. But on the flip side, I know restaurants say that economically they don't like doing it because it hurts the bottom line. Right. This is the argument. But I think it is short-sighted. Because from a hospitality point of view, this is terrible. It is not hospitable to do this to your guests. No, it's not. I have been places where they say if it's a larger party, they want 50% of your party there. Okay. I mean, that's better, I guess. But I think what we could do is call in advance and ask what the policy is. Sure. Knowing what policy is is helpful. not put our money towards places that don't allow us to be seated unless our whole group is there. Boycott. Yes. I mean, you know. Yes. But this is actually a number one complaint of New York restaurant reviewers. Oh, really? They hate this. Yeah. They're just like, just let people sit down. And some restaurant groups, like I think Danny Meyer, who's a famous restaurateur in New York, and he's famous for hospitality. Like his whole thing for all of his restaurants is that we do hospitality. The guest always comes first. We want you to have a good time. And because of that, it's a really nice dining experience. Right. And I would go back to one of those restaurants. But if I go to a restaurant and I'm sort of treated rudely or I'm made to like wait outside because you won't seat me, like I'll remember that. 
Of course. Sure. Yeah. I do agree with those letter writer that that's the point of making a reservation. Well, yes, but the point of reservation is we both agree that we will both be at a certain place at a certain time. So the restaurant hypothetically is holding up their end of the bargain. You are not holding up your end of the bargain. Well, if I'm there, say it's a large party and like there's five of us out of eight. Mm. Five of us are there. I would absolutely see that. Right. Party. Yes. But I know restaurants that won't. And I think that's rude. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Great. So I think if you run a restaurant, think hard and long <laughs> about whether or not the bottom line in the moment is more important than the bottom line in the long term. And if you ever want my business in the future. If you want Nick's business. Mm. I do understand if you haven't made a reservation and you show up and it's busy and you're like, oh, there's going to be five of us, but I'm here now and there's tons of people waiting. Oh, then it's. That's a different. That's not this question. Yeah, that's not this question no, at all. That's forget it. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Okay. 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 Our next. This next question. I can't. <laughs> I thought Nick wrote it in as a joke. Uh, I mean, I don't know what that says about what you think of me when you hear this question. <laughs> That's true. I'm taking that. You wouldn't write this in, but I just was like, is this real? I do believe this is a sincere question. No, I do believe it now. <laughs> yes. But it, when it, at first, when right, I well, saw it. Let's, let's not uh, build up the suspense okay, any not, longer. Sorry. The question is, my office manager sits all day in her cubicle, a scant 18 to 24 inches from me with just a fabric partition separating us. Farting. Farting is in capital letters. Oh, there's a lot of caps in this email. And then she says, excuse me, to no one in particular, as there is nobody in her cube with her. However, she then walks past my cubicle. She farts loudly, and there is no, excuse me, forthcoming. The farting, as crass as it is, isn't what I take issue with. I take issue with the lack of an excuse me, which leads me to believe this crop dusting was intentional. How would you handle this? How I've been handling this is I have been spraying the entire perimeter of my cubicle loudly with Febreze and keeping a array of cans on my desk. We call her the fartiste. <laughs> that was the part that I was like, what? <laughs> um, so, Leah, I'll let you take this one. I think the way I would handle this as a comic is not, you know what I mean? Because I can't, it's an office manager. Okay. So I feel like that's a different... There's a status There's issue. There's a status issue. Okay. Like if it was your coworker, just your coworker, mm. I would just be like, bro, are you going to say excuse me? All right. Interesting. Because also people pass gas. Yes. I was reading up on it. Apparently it's between 14 and 25 times per day. I mean, that seems, some people have stomach issues. There's yes, dietary there problems. There medical, are health reasons people need to. Yes. And in general, the rule of etiquette is you ignore the obvious thing that is happening. In many situations, the correct etiquette response is to pretend it is not happening. Right. And, uh, but I mean, if it's in your workplace and there, I mean, she clearly measured 18 to 24 inches <laughs> and then person is doing it walking by you. It seems personal. Oh, you think this is uh, on purpose? Mm. Well, if they say excuse me to themselves, but they don't say excuse me to people. Okay. But that might just be sort of like a moving flatulence is different than a stationary flatulence. So one only excuses themselves when they are alone and stationary, but in public? Well, I can see in a world in which like you're in motion and so you're sort of have your mind on other things. And also you're passing multiple people. And so to whom do you owe the excuse me if it's sort of- You could just um, mutter it under your breath and hope right. it covers as many people as your fart. I'm just trying to see the other side here. No, I- the other side is just ignore it completely and let it go. Yeah, I think that is the correct answer here. Yes. And I think to loudly spray Febreze is not polite. And to leave the cans out 
This well, is, I mean, I feel like you're already making a statement by loudly spraying Febreze. Yeah, no, a statement is being made. Yes. So that's why I feel like and if the you, statement once is you're not in, changing the behavior. Yeah. So I would either completely ignore it. I think that's what you have to do. Yeah. But that means also not loudly spraying Febreze. I think you can't do that. Yeah. I also don't know if I think spraying Febreze all the time is healthy for people. I, that's a separate issue. <laughs> uh, sure. And then, or I would just be like, why do you never say excuse me when you fart on me? I don't think we do that now. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I like uh, the concept, but I don't think we say that, no. Because then we've just left this person with absolutely nothing. Well, the thing to do is to ignore it. That's an But active... we're telling them to actively also stop Febrezing. Well, I think you can Febreze, but just not in front of them. So if you can more discreetly Febreze, I think that's okay. I would like to know if she started Febrezing after the crop testing, because maybe this lady is crop testing you in response to your Febrezing. Oh, that's aggressive. I would just like to know the order in which it happened. Oh, I think we want to give the benefit of the doubt that the crop dusting preceded the Febrezing. Okay. And that this is not a vicious cycle. Maybe she's not saying excuse me because she's embarrassed. There, I think, is that element. Yeah. And I think it's definitely more embarrassing that there's like Febreze cans all around the office. In which case, what I would do personally is not Febreze and Mm -hmm. ignore it. Yes. Or I would giggle. Okay. But privately, so she didn't feel embarrassed. Yeah, I think in general, we always want to not embarrass people. And I think flatulence is one of those areas where people are inherently embarrassed as it is. And so the sooner we can just move past it, the better for society. So I would say just suck it up and plug your nose. (laughs) Well, she said she's not bothered by the farting. It's just the same. Where does it say that? It says that. that She said it's just that, that she doesn't say excuse me. Oh, Okay. The farting, as crass as it is, isn't what I take issue with. True. Although for breezing loudly does suggest that she takes issue with it. But I think she's for breezing loudly because she wants the woman to recognize, I know that you're doing this. Why aren't you saying excuse me? I see. Okay. So yeah, that I think is passive aggressive and is not helpful. Right. So that's what I'm saying. If you're already going to do this, then you might as well just say it to the woman. Okay. I guess you know what your relationship is with this woman and you'll know how that will be received. Yeah. And so if you feel like saying something... Just say something. I would appreciate it if you would just say, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I wouldn't say it in front of other people. Definitely not, no. Or just stop the freezing and maybe ask to be moved. Different cube. All right, so we have some ideas for this person. Yeah, I, I mean... Good luck. This is really... <laughs> <laughs> Might be hard to solve. <laughs> Here's a different office question from somebody else. Quote... I have a coworker who insists on holding a conversation with me in the mornings and during breaks, which isn't a terrible thing, except that he talks at the top of his voice and his voice is an audible nightmare for me. He's oblivious to any subtle or not so subtle cues that I'm not in the mood to have a conversation. I can't think of a polite way to tell him to really just leave me alone as he's technically not doing anything wrong or malicious. Mmm. Okay. So two things. I think the question is, do we want to talk to him or do we not want to talk to him? Because part of it is like, is he just a loud person or do we not actually want to engage in conversation at all? Yeah, because I can't tell either. There's two problems here. So I think if it's just that he's a loud talker, but we don't mind talking to him, then that's one problem. And so for that, I will say this is a major office problem around the world. Like in terms of office complaints about coworkers, it's loud eating and then it's loud talking. 
Like these are like your top two issues, I think. Well, I know people that are loud talkers in like public areas and it's, you know what I mean? Or private areas. Yeah. But, and you're just like, this is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think some people have more sensitive. Yes. Yes, for sure. I mean, I think when I am dealing with a loud talker, one thing I do is I lower my voice because I think people subtly mirror other people. Yeah. And I think if you sort of lower your voice very quietly, it forces them to lean in a little bit and then it kind of maybe subtly makes them recalibrate. I I also do that as well. So that is. I tried to do that last night with somebody and it didn't, didn't work. Didn't work at all. Yeah, and it I doesn't was always like, work. I'm losing all the social cues here. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it doesn't work, but I think that's something to try. Yeah. I guess if you're really bothered by it and you do just like chatting with him, you could say like, oh, I'm so sorry. Would you mind just lowering your voice? I think that's okay. Right? Yeah. Here's the thing. If you want to continue talking to somebody and it's sort of upsetting to the way you process information, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to say something. Or like, oh, you may not realize it, but your voice really carries. Maybe that's nice to be like that. That doesn't sound horrible. Okay. I think whatever it is, it's going to feel slightly uncomfortable for a second. Yeah. But then if you want to continue the relationship, that's what's going to have to happen. And loud talking, I think, is a habit. So people are in the habit of doing this. So I don't think you should expect them to change immediately. It's going to take a few tries. I have a few friends that are loud talkers. They're also friends who take, um, they take things really well. Oh. You know what I mean? So I'll just be like, <laughs> Was not hey. expecting that. Yeah. So I'll just be like, hey, because I can't, it's sort of rattles me mm-hmm. and I want to listen, but it, you know what I mean? So I'll just be like, Hey, I give super sensitive ears. And, and then I go like, and then I kind of wait, do like wave and they'll be like, Oh, and then, but they are also the kind of people who don't take it personally. They just want to talk to you. Yeah. And they're excited and they're excited. Yeah. And they're just like, Oh, cause they know they get like really loud. Yeah. And I would rather continue talking to them. Yeah. But there are people that don't, they don't have any feelings around it. I guess I was thinking, I actually don't experience this a lot. And Then I was thinking like, oh, am I the loud one? Which I think I am. You're not a loud talker. I feel like I might be in certain situations. Really? I don't know. I've never experienced that. This especially made me a little self-conscious. Yeah. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe it's because I'm short that most people are taller than I am. And so their their mouth is just like in a different angle to my ears. I don't think you're a loud talker. Okay. I'm not not, like, I don't have a complex about it. No, but I really don't think you do are. Okay. Because I would have noticed. All the friends that listen to this show are screaming at their radio <laughs> right now being like, he's very loud. I had a friend who didn't like certain kinds of conversations in public tell me that I was being too loud about a thing that was, they thought inappropriate for public. Okay. But I didn't take it well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just so to- I do want to say I've been on the other side of this. I see. Okay. And what could you've done differently? She? Well, what could you have done differently? Oh, I wouldn't have done it differently. Okay. I was not going to take it well, and I'm sticking with it. I was like, I'm right in the middle of something, and like, you're worried about strangers? Okay. 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 Now, for our letter writer, who may not want to talk to this person at all. This is it. That was a completely different issue. That's obviously not. I'm just saying I've been a person who hasn't taken feedback well. Sure. So I don't want to you know, it's something calling the kettle black. We, feedback is hard for all of us. We are all working on better ways to accept criticism that's why it depends on the person true that's why I was the messenger is very important yeah like my two friends who are they they literally don't care you could say anything and they'd be like well yeah no I got loud ah you know what I mean (laughs) that's how they are yeah okay but let's focus back to our letter writer what do we do about our letter writer who may not want to talk to this person at all it's not just volume so if it's if it's the second one I would just you're at work you can always be like I have to go work on this thing yeah you always have an out you're, yeah. you're working. Yeah. Oh, got to get back to my desk. You've got to get back to, even if the, if the person came over to your desk and is talking, you can just be like, I have to get back to this thing. Yeah. Or I just want to, sometimes people mistake your free time with available time. 
Oh. So, you know, when you're at that. work and you're you're taking like a 10 minute break from work, but that doesn't mean you are available to, you may need to like read an email uh. or regroup yourself. So I think it's fair to say to people, hey, I just need to catch up on a few personal things in this 10 minute break I have. That's fair. Yeah. So you just have to set boundaries. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. So I hope we answered that question for <laughs> whichever one of the two it was. Correct. And I think we threw in some extra information that which was, may or may not be relevant. I've clearly been throwing in extra information all of this episode. That is the theme. <laughs> so if you have questions for us and want us to throw in things you didn't ask about. Roll neck sweaters. <laughs> please send them to us and you can send them to us through our website where you raised by wolves.com or you can leave us a voicemail 267 call RBW. You can send us a text message there too or you can slip into our DMs or any way you want to contact us. Totally fine. So thanks for these great questions, everybody. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.